Uh, tonight's Bible reading will be Ephesians 1, 15 to 23. I'll just give you a minute to get that up in your Bibles or on your phone, or if not, it'll be on this screen behind me. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in all my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills everything in every way. Thanks for that. There's a chocolate here. Is that the A word? Is there another chocolate? There's more chocolates. All, alone, atone. I saw those words there. Eh? Yeah. Just as we come to think about that passage, um, please join me as I pray. Now, Father, if only we could see you as you truly are, uh, I guess we'd be lying with our face down if we did. We thank you that you do reveal yourself through the scriptures. We're sorry that we're so influenced by our world by our sinful nature, that our image of you becomes something that we, uh, that we create often to make ourselves feel better or more comfortable. Please help us to see you more clearly. Uh, as with the Apostle Paul, we do pray that we will grow to know you better. Thank you for... Uh, church and the opportunity of meeting together and I pray that your word a living word a word that is both spoken which we have recorded but also the Lord Jesus himself may speak and that your Holy Spirit may take your word so we thank you for the gift of this moment in time when we together are able to sit and hear your word and we pray that it will do its work for us as a community. Amen. Uh, it, only in the USA, the Christian Wrestling Federation body slams for Jesus. <laughs> On the surface, the group looked like a normal wrestling event with costumes, characters jumping from ropes, hitting each other in the back of the head with chairs. 
except these violent wrestling moves are all done for the love of Jesus and to save souls. Well, that sounds like spirit-empowered worship, doesn't it? Or does it? What is spirit-empowered worship? Or I should say spirit-empowered ministry. What does that look like? Uh, We've been going through a series, a Together series, and that's what we're looking at today, Together in Spirit-Empowered Worship. And over my years in pastoral ministry, I've had many people who have told me what they've done in terms of spirit-empowered worship. Miracles they've done, visions they've seen, prophecies they've given. Certainly the Spirit can do spectacular things. Is that spirit-empowered worship? But conversely, I've also met with others who are reserved and shy, and yet they're immensely valuable as they do things, willing to work behind the scenes. Is that spirit-empowered ministry? Or I've met people who say, They don't have any spiritual gifts. And yet, when there's a need, they are there to fulfil their need, even though they don't feel adequate. Is that spiritual or spirit-empowered worship? While it's valuable to discern spiritual gifts, if our focus is becoming or discovering what our gifts are, then it's like erecting a structure without having a foundation. And this evening I want to spend some time laying footings or laying a foundation where our focus is to be on about spiritual empowered believers. For if we get the foundation right, the spirit will use those bases in whatever situation we're in. He will use those bases to empower God-glorifying ministry. Well, Paul began this letter, uh, in the letter he wrote to believers in Ephesus, reminding them that in Christ they have every spiritual blessing. He then listed some of those blessings, two of which were that the Spirit being the seal and the deposit guaranteeing we belong to God, He said in verses 13 and 14, just a little bit before what Rowan read out, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who was a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. I've shared before that uh, sometimes, a couple of times when I've been walking, I've found money on the side of the road. About a year ago, I found a seal. Not a furry one, but it was a little wooden one. I guess it was part of a craft, a craft, a craft kit that you would put, it would be a stamp that would use. And this type of seal was used in Paul's days with wax to stamp to show something was authentic. Maybe it hadn't been opened. Maybe it had the king's seal on it. 
The seal gave authenticity. When someone genuinely responds to Christ, they receive the Holy Spirit that says they are authentically God's child. To be God's child is about belonging, about being valued and accepted by the most, uh, the being in the whole universe. It says that you are valued and worthy, not in yourself, but in who God is. The Spirit is also a deposit. Uh, it's actually a, an old-fashioned word. It's the word earnest. Uh, it's a word indicating a first instalment on something. And that deposit or that earnest would legally secure that item for the purpose, person who was purchasing something. When I was uh, 16 or 17 or 18, I don't remember, I bought, uh, I'd, I'd had a bike, but I never had a new bike. So I bought myself a new bike when I was about 18, a push bike. I walked down, I grew up in uh, North Strathfield, um, and down in Central Concord, there was a small bike shop. And I walked down to the bike shop, uh, and I bought this bike. Uh, I put a deposit down on the bike. And unlike today, a lot of things today when you buy, you can take it home with you. In those days, you had to pay it all off before you could take it home. But I put this deposit down on the bike, and the guy, the owner, got a tag, and he wrote my name down on the tag, and then he attached it to the bike. That bike was for me. It secured that bike. No one else could take that actual bike. The deposit guaranteed it was set aside and marked for me as I waited for it to be fully mine. And in exchange for this earnest, the buyer would receive a genuine part of the item. For example, if someone was buying material, they would give money as this deposit or earnest and the person would give them an actual genuine part of the material, something that was authentically part of what they were buying. I guess if it was for a bike, I might get a bike seat or a handlebar or something. The spirit as a deposit means God resides in believers. An authentic part of who God is resides within us. In a sense, if you follow the Lord Jesus, you have a part of heaven in you already as you wait for heaven. To be together in spirit-empowered ministry means that as God's children, the spirit is using us in his ministry. And therefore, Paul prays that we will desire to know God better. He says in verse 17, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Any ministry without a spirit-empowered desire to know God better will only be surface deep. Any ministry without a spirit-empowered desire to know God better will only ever be superficial. It will be a ministry that looks good on the surface but have no depth to it. And so Paul gives three things 
for believers to pray as foundations for spirit-empowered ministry. He says in verse 18, or begins in 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Paul prayed that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The word hope is a confusing word sometimes for, uh, for us as we live in the world, but also as Christians. For we don't use it in the same way. Uh, today, living in today's world, I could say, I hope the pandemic ends this year. I hope it doesn't rain anymore on Lismore. I hope the war in Ukraine and in Russia ends soon. I use the word hope as a wish. I would like this to happen, but I have no control. I have no certainty about it. But hope in the Bible refers to something that is certain about the future. It is guaranteed because of Jesus' death in history. Uh, I don't know if any of you have read... Uh, a series of books by C.S. Lewis called the Narnia Chronicles. Um, we bought them for our children. I'd never read them, but as an adult, I'd read them. Uh, and I would encourage anyone to read the Narnia Chronicles. Seven books. The last one is called The Last Battle. I guess I should say this is a spoiler alert. The last battle ends in a railway accident. Uh, throughout Narnia Chronicles, Aslan is a lion who represents Jesus. And the children encounter different worlds as they journey to Aslan's country. The book ends. You do not look yet so happy as I mean you to be. Lucy said, we're so afraid of being sent away again, Aslan. And you, have you, as you have sent us back to our own world so often. No fear of that, said Aslan. Have you not guessed? Their hearts leaped and a wild hope rose within them. There was a real railway accident, said Aslan softly. Your father and mother and all of you are, as you used to call it in the Shadowlands, dead. The term is over. The holidays have begun. The dream is ended. This is the morning. And as he spoke, he no longer looked to them like a lion. But the things that began to happen after that were so great and beautiful that I cannot write them. And for us, this is the end of all stories. And we can most truly say that they all lived happily ever after. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and title page. Now at last they were beginning chapter one of the great story which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. The seal 
and guarantee, the Spirit as seal and guarantee, assures God's people they belong and are secure in Christ. There is a future, and such ministry will be grounded and motivated in the assurance of all that is to come. The more I think about this quote, a guy called Jim Elliott, who was martyred at the age of 29, before he was martyred, said, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Paul went on to pray, again in verse 18, that you may know the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. As I read those verses, uh, over many times I've read them, I've assumed those words spoke of our inheritance in Christ. But Paul actually says the church is God's inheritance in his people. Uh, my maternal grandfather died probably 35 years ago. But before he died, he wanted me, I was his only grandson, to get his World War I medals. His medals spoke of, uh, they were just the, the medals that everyone got who fought in World War I, nothing special. But they spoke of his evidence of service and courage and the trauma he endured. His medals belong to me, but that inheritance points to him. God gained, God gained an inheritance before, because Christ's sacrificial death rescued a people for himself. We receive grace, but that grace is to point to him. Spirit and power ministry will be seen in how we live, showing we are God's inheritance by living out his grace. Uh, some of you may remember, in 2016, this young boy, he was nine years old, his name was Josiah. He was looking at Christmas lights with his family when he was knocked by a car driven by someone who was influenced by alcohol. Two days later, his life support was turned off. Carl Sisson, Josiah's father, was a pastor at the Potter's House Church in Brisbane. Another pastoral team member said that the family would forgive the driver in an act of good faith. The man said they simply want to say they believe Jesus Christ came into the world to bring forgiveness. They believe in the power of forgiveness and they are trying to process what had happened. To be together in spirit-empowered ministry means we'll not only talk about grace, Grace is one of those words that's so easy to talk about. But our lives will actually point to the one who gives grace. And Paul prayed in verses 19 to 20 that you may know his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Notice the change in pronouns. You in verse, you is changed to us in verse 19. 
Paul assures here, Gentile believers, that God's power is available to us as we live in this world, as we wait for the age to come. Spirit-empowered ministry is not primarily the power to do miracles, to do or bring about supernatural change. It may do that, but predominantly it is the power to live to please God. It is the power to put Jesus first in what we do. It is the power to say no to self. It's the same power that's a work in us that raised Jesus from death. It's the power that is willing to move out of our own comfort zone like we saw with those cross-cultural workers to go into difficult situations, even like talking to our neighbours or trying to befriend our neighbours. The Spirit, as a seal and a deposit, lays foundation that assures us of God's future, of an inheritance and of his power available to us. And if we are growing to know God better, then whatever situation we are in, those foundations will produce spirit-empowered ministry. In some ways, I guess it's like a tree, a tree whose roots go deep down. Through all seasons, the tree continues to provide nutrients going up and sap. We don't always see the effects of that. We won't always see fruit but it is always producing life through it. As a church together, I want to suggest three things that a spirit-empowered ministry may look like. One is that people using whatever abilities God has given them to help the body of Christ function in a healthy way. Ministry comes from a joyful heart because of an assured future and inheritance and through God's power. And as healthy bodies work together, so the church is to work together, growing to know God better and to be his presence in the world, a healthy church will reflect the one who is the head of the church. The second thing is encouraging one another to keep following Christ. I want to encourage you because often um, we either are too lazy or we don't think about it or we never get round to it. Often we may see someone doing something and may think, oh, I should send a text and say thanks for doing that but then the next day comes and we never get round to doing that. One of the greatest things we can do is encourage one another to keep following the Lord Jesus. I want you to imagine that someone sends a text or writes you a letter that encourages you in a meaningful way and you see the text and it is a great blessing to you. You did something that you didn't know that anyone else knew about but it brings a great, a great encouragement to you. 
what that feels like for you, you actually have the opportunity to do that for somebody else, to invest in somebody else's life. That is spirit-empowered ministry. And the third thing is praying for others, as Paul did for the Ephesians. See, spirit-empowered ministry not only happens in the church building, but it equips people as they go to work, as they live in their homes, as they spend time with others. We live in a world that is trying to squeeze us into its mould. But spirit and power ministry will seek to remind people of the supremacy of Christ, encouraging people. You may not do that uh, without looking who's beside you. It would be wonderful this week if you prayed for that person to keep their focus on the Lord Jesus. that the Lord Jesus would be supreme in their life as they go to university, as they go to school, as they live with their brothers and sisters, that we can contribute to Christ's body shows how good and gracious God is and how central his church is. So Paul ends his prayer. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. God placed all things under Christ's feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. Let me pray. Now, Father, we pray because we want you to take your word and impress it into our minds and our hearts. It is so easy for all of us to be hearers of the word and not doers, to hear and then walk away and forget We thank you for the ministry of your spirit who reminds us, who points us, who encourages us, who enables us. So we pray for his ministry in taking your Apostle Paul's words and applying them. Please help us remember with the assurance we have of our future. that we are your inheritance to point towards you, that your power is at work within us. We think your, your power is greater than anything we face. It is greater than the fears that we face. And we thank you for your promises that you never leave us nor forsake us, even though it seems that we can't see you in situations. We pray that you'll help us to be people who contribute to the church with spirit-empowered ministry as we seek to build 
the church up, encouraging those who are within the church, praying and using who you've made us to be for the good of the whole. Thank you for your word. Father, we just want to be humble before you and allow you to do your work and us to have the humility to trust in you and to follow you. Amen.